Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson continues our series in the book of Acts. The title of the lesson is Acts 11, Unfruitfulness of Prejudice. And we're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 11, verse 1 up to verse 18, which says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me, Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, and say, Send to Joppa, and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ— Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This study is really the second part of our lesson in Acts 10, titled Unbiblical Divides. You'll remember from there that we learned how God had to give Peter this dramatic presentation of this vision of a sheet of animals, of things that he as a Jew would not have been allowed to eat according to the law, in order to show Peter that Peter should not judge anyone on the basis of man's opinion. Peter argued with God in that vision, showing just how steeped in tradition we can be and how challenging it can be for us to recognize our traditions are not actually from God. In the beginning of chapter 11, it's now Peter's turn to teach his fellow Jews the lesson God taught him with Cornelius. The Jews' confrontation of Peter shows just how strong their tradition and prejudice was in this matter. Peter was the Christ-appointed leader of the church, and yet these men don't hold back when they speak to him. They openly and immediately rebuke him for doing what they considered to be terrible sin. And that terrible sin was simply to visit a Gentile and fellowship with him. Friends, how empty of the love of Christ were these people. 
and how blind they were to their own prejudice. They did not see the very large contradiction between them preaching the gospel that Jesus had died for the sins of the world and then thinking that message should be limited to one race of people. But friends, let's not assume that we are better than these Jews. The greatest challenge I see in my own flock and churches around the world, and indeed in my own heart, is that we don't possess enough of the love of Christ. Or rather, we are not possessed by it as the scriptures say we should be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, we read, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. In a Bible study yesterday, I asked my students how they would respond to their neighbor's cow coming into their garden and destroying their crops. Someone's first response was to ask, Well, Masumba, how many times has it happened? My reaction would depend on that information. I was grateful for that response because isn't that how most of us would think? Maybe we could be a good Christian the first time it happened, but what about the seventh time it happened? When we search our hearts, the issue is that we are truly more concerned about our possessions than the soul of our neighbor. Every interaction we have should be infused with a desperate concern that the person who is speaking to me or working with me or even abusing me, cheating me, and lying to me is on their way to eternity in hell. That should be what I'm concer concerned about. If the love of Christ truly controls me and has changed me and is guiding me, what I should be concerned about is not how a person might mistreat me, but rather that if that person died today, Will they be condemned by Christ or will they be saved by Christ? And my God loved them so much that he sent Jesus to receive the punishment for their sins. The Apostle Paul spoke this way of the reality of true Christian love controlling him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, we read, Here for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours. But you, I seek not what is yours, but you, you are what matters to me. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly, notice that, most gladly. This wasn't hard for Paul. This is what he desired to do. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, Am I to be loved less? While many church leaders insist on their congregation enriching them, Paul said he would not allow himself to be a burden to any of them. He would spend his life for their souls, just as our Savior spent his life for us. The Jews preached Christ, but had no concern for the Gentiles because they were mired in long-standing animosity towards the Gentiles, that was not at all from God, but was truly satanic. 
Sadly, there are many believers who allow tradition to control the way they view other professing followers of Christ rather than looking at the fruit of those people's lives. Notice that Peter expected this reception. The Greek renders it in such a way as to sound like Peter had been thinking of how he would defend himself and he had rehearsed the whole conversation in his mind in advance. Paul expounds on what God did in the cross of Christ to bring people together like this. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to verse 18. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This is such a beautiful passage explaining this reality. Paul mentions how both Gentiles and Jews slandered each other with these terms, circumcised and uncircumcised. The Gentiles referred to the Jews as circumcised to describe them in a negative way as mutilators of their flesh. The Jews referred to the Gentiles as uncircumcised in a negative way to describe them as being unclean pagan people. But what does the gospel do, according to this text? God has broken down the hostility of his wrath against us because of our sin and brought us all together in his Son. This is how God describes Christianity now. In Ephesians 4, from verse 4 to 6, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But we must ask ourselves whether we are influenced by our traditions to make divisions within this single body. Even after this lesson that he had learned in the conversion of Cornelius and, and his Gentile friends and family, we find another example later on in Peter's life where Peter did not behave according to God's love, but according to the old tradition. In Galatians chapter 2 from verse 11 to 14, we read, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Cephas is a, a different way of, of transliterating Peter's name, but it has the same meaning. It means a stone. So Paul is mentioning here that when Peter came to Antioch, he says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, 
He was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter was fine fellowshipping with Gentiles until his fellow Jews came, and he feared how they would think of him. Is that the love of Christ controlling us? What fruits do we get from prejudice? What does prejudice cause? Does it cause anything good? Do we get love, peace, kindness, gentleness, etc.? No, we get division, animosity, slander, and all types of sin. The scriptures are clear that followers of Christ obey him in all things. There are some who try to allow disobedience in the name of unity. But disobedience has to cause division. It must cause division wherever there are genuine believers. And it demonstrates that people don't actually love Jesus. Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But friends, can you prove that your traditions and opinions that cause you to judge some are truly from God? If you can't justify your positions from Scripture, what does God want you to do? Reform to the standard of God's word. The wonderful thing we see in today's text is that when these Jews heard what God had done, they didn't continue to resist God. They recognized that God meant salvation not just for them, but for the Gentiles also. And they glorified God for his goodness. Can we identify and condemn our own prejudices so we can do the same? God bless you all.